yeah, you know what? Come and tell what you want to say. Say what you want to say on my podcast. Oh, that's just, it's so special for some people. And I do not take that for granted. I feel very lucky, actually. Welcome to the Bro Novo Podcast, the podcast that models healthy communication for men. Empowering them to start the journey of self-work. Now here's your host, Thomas Pierce. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Bro Nouveau Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Pierce. This week, we have an awesome conversation with Jenny B. She's the host of the This Is It Actually podcast. Every week, she has a topic of discussion, and she has five or six different people call in to give a voicemail-style story about the topic. It's an awesome show. I will link to it so you can check it out. She's an awesome conversationalist, and I'm so grateful that we had the chance to connect because I learned a lot from the conversation, and I think you will too. Enjoy the show. And we're live. Jenny, how you doing? Thanks so much for being here. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have found you or you found me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So we first connected because you have a storytelling podcast, and I submitted a, a quick little story to your show. Thanks for doing that too. That was a fun experience for me. Yeah, that was really good. And I'm glad that I was able to find you know, people outside of my own circle because, you know, where this started, obviously, you just ask your friends to, to be a part of it. And it's so nice to be able to connect with people outside of that. So yeah, thank you for your story. For sure. So that's, that's a good place to start, I suppose, that you have a podcast that's all about storytelling. And you spotlight on a different topic every week. So I've seen nurses as one, like National Nurse Week and all kinds of different things. So what was the motivation for you to to start that show? So, I mean, I like to say I've been telling stories for as long as I can remember, but I think we probably all have. <laughs> I think we all naturally started as storytellers, even as little kids. Um, but I did spin that into a job, uh, work in television. I'm a television producer. I don't think I ever really imagined that being a TV producer was actually being a storyteller. But really, when I look back on my 20 years in TV, that's all I've been doing is telling other people's stories in one, you know, form or another, whether it's an interview or putting together a little bio piece for somebody on a show. So I knew that I loved the medium of telling stories. And I do like working in TV, but I've always been a voice person. I always wanted to work in radio, never happened. So when podcasting became a thing, I was like, oh, man, this is this is it, <laughs> actually. <laughs> this is it, actually, which is a yeah, yeah, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's the name of your show, yeah. That's right. <laughs> and that's literally how it happened, actually. So... Yeah, I just started recording the stories. My brother is very concerned that I'm going to run out of topics, but isn't there an endless well of things to talk about? I think there is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. The cool thing is you can recycle topics because with time, perspectives change, the times change, people's opinions change. A hundred percent. I've actually done two music episodes because when I was doing the oh, first yeah. music episode, I was like, oh my God, I'll never be able to cover all the things and the people. Mm -hmm. So being able to do a second one or a third one is obviously optimal. And then, you know, in my, in my podcast, I tell my stories up front um, and then I string together other people's stories at the end. And I do it like a voicemail. Whenever you hear that little voicemail, old fashioned answering machine beep, you know that you're going to get other voices and other perspectives. And that was really important to me from the beginning because I didn't want to just you know, here's all my stories. Listen to me talk about myself for a million episodes. So being able to include other people 
you'll get anywhere from three to five or six guests on each episode. And then sometimes I do one-on-ones, but I really like offering up different voices um, on each episode. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool because I think it's a nice way to offer something that's a little more long format, but still maximize the different perspectives. Yeah, totally. And I, I, I don't even know that it was an original idea. I think I was listening to... I'm trying to think now where I first heard this. Oh, there's a great podcast called Terrible Thanks for Asking. And she started the podcast (laughs) years ago when podcasting was just, you know, fresh and new. And she actually started it because she lost her husband and her baby. Oh, dear. This is terrible. I don't remember. She lost two very significant people to her in a very short span of time. And she didn't know how to get all the feelings out. Now she's evolved into many other things. But I really like the way that she sort of put her podcast together, stringing in, you know, stories from other people. Uh, And that was my whole thing is that everybody has a story. So I want to hear them all. (laughs) I want to hear all of them. (laughs) Totally. I think we're we're aligned in that because I've always been fascinated by how quickly I can learn something from a conversation, you know, even compared to reading. Like I love reading, but it's always amazed me how much uh, a conversation can reveal and offer, even if it's not perspective, like little piece of information. I love little random facts. Like here's one, you're Toronto based. The second T in Toronto is silent, (laughs) you know? Well, it is to Torontonians. Yes. Yeah. Toronto. I want to put that out there in the world. Like people don't know that, you know? (laughs) I think there's actually, I think it's a local company and they make uh, t-shirts and hats. And it actually says that something like I'm from Toronto, but it's spelled T-R-O-N-N-O. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing what you can learn from people if you just pay attention. (laughs) Totally. So what are some of your favorite people you've connected with through through the podcast? And, And how long has your podcast been running for? Well, I very wisely started my podcast right when we launched into a pandemic. So that was not planned. I actually was finishing up a TV contract in January of 2020. And I decided to take some time off. Like my whole plan was I was just going to take off January and a bit of February. And I was going to put together this podcast. I'd wanted to do it for a really long time. The idea came to me uh, very weirdly, like one day in January, and it just honestly, like, this is it. And so I decided to start doing it. And I had five episodes in the can, and I was sort of trying to figure out when to launch it. And I thought, yeah, mid-March feels good. (laughs) And then we had a (laughs) pandemic. And I wrote, you know, or texted a couple of my friends and said, am I doing this? Like, is this crazy and selfish and the world is falling apart? And I'm going to say, Hey, listen, I got this fun new project. I'd love you to pay attention to. And, you know, most people wrote me back and said, yeah, it's the perfect time because people need something like this. So I launched it at the end of March, 2020. So I've now been doing it just over a year and I just released episode 57 and I've met so many amazing people from it. Like I said, I started with my friends. I have a very big um, connect, uh, excuse me, I have a very big collection of people in my life, I think from all my years of working in TV. So 
sometimes I'll, I'll do a topic and I think, oh yeah, I got to ask this, this, and this person because I know they have a story. Um, so that's where that started. But now as it's sort of started to grow, it's been really beautiful because people will write me and say, Hey, listen, you know, I've got a story about this and I was wondering if you would consider doing an episode on it. And if it resonates with me, I'm always open because hello topics, like I'll always take subject matter. So yeah, I've been really lucky to meet some pretty special new people that would never have come into my life otherwise. Absolutely. Congratulations in one year. That's so awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's crazy. It's Sometimes I'm like, how? I, just yesterday, I was like, how can I keep doing this? Because it's hard work, right? Like it's a full-time job. Uh, and I love it. Do not get me wrong. But it's, you know, it's a job. <laughs> totally. That's a good one. You know, time management. What kind of time management tools do you use? And how, how do you balance being a mother, having a career, and then having a, a full-time other career? <laughs> I have no idea, Thomas. <laughs> I'd love someone to come and follow me around for a day and tell me how I do it. I don't know. I write a lot of to-do lists. Uh, I freak out every now and then. It's hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, my girls are older now. I think if I tried to do this five years ago, it would have certainly been a lot hard- harder. Um, yeah, and I do. I work full time. And I'm lucky, obviously, in the TV world, I do a lot of writing right now. Like I'm not on set uh, for the last couple of years, I've really been able to sort of switch it. So I'm at home. So that's certainly helpful. But yeah, some days are more harried than others. Let's just say that. <laughs> for sure. Are your daughters at the age where they think it's cool? Or are they like, ah, oh, mom's, <laughs> mom is a podcast. Like, uh. <laughs> you know what? I'm so lucky. Honestly, like the three of us are really tight. It is just the three of us. Their dad lives in a different province. Um, mm-hmm. And I do not have a strained relationship with him at all. But you know, to be truthful, they do. And mm-hmm. he would be fine with me talking about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are tight by, you know, we just have to be really <laughs> by virtue of our lives and our, and our situation, but we've managed to have a really nice, uh, connection, the three of us. And so they know what I do. They've seen me on set. They've been on set with me. They know I've met a lot of celebrities in my life. So, you know, they, they are sort of used to that part of it. And I have yet to see that they're embarrassed by me or I've never seen them, you know, roll their eyes at me. I definitely bug them for sure, but they bug me too. Uh, and I would say <laughs> that the podcast felt very natural, I think, and it would have to them as well because I've been telling stories for so long. And I come from a long line of storytellers. My dad was a great storyteller. My siblings are all great storytellers. So no, I wouldn't say that funny. They just, they've been bugging me to get TikTok. And I was like, what for? Like TikTok's for the young kids. And I finally did it. And just a couple of days ago, actually. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. I put up a video of them at Christmas. I surprised them with a dog they'd been asking for years. Anyway, <laughs> it's got a lot of views and my littlest is dying. She can't believe that it, you know, is uh, yeah, making the moves that it is. So yeah, they, they don't seem to be mortified yet. I don't know. That might still come. <laughs> that's awesome. That, I mean, they're probably so stoked, right? That's I think so. Yeah. They're yeah. Pretty, yeah. I think that they're pretty proud and you know, Aww. they don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I would have to ask them, I would suppose, but they hear every now and then from their friends, oh, your mom's so great. I don't think I'm that great, but I do my best. And so I think they, <laughs> yeah, they don't feel the kids hang out here, which is great. I'm always happy to have the kids hang out in my backyard, their friends. Like this is kind of the place that people like to come, which is totally good by me. <laughs> That's vital. I had the great privilege of my 
house and high school kind of being that space for mm-hmm. my friends. And it is so impactful to even to this day, you know what I mean? Like my buddies and I always talk about how having that space to gather was really important. And it kind of allowed us to come together because our school pulled from different geographic areas um, in Philadelphia and then outside Philly and PA and outside Philly in New Jersey. And without that space and like a parents and particularly my mom who was loved having us around and, you know, she kind of adopted all the guy of the boys, you know, <laughs> in some ways. So yeah, I think I'm sure that will be a huge thing and, and they'll look back on it very fondly, just being not too much older than them, you know, and looking back on those years. Yeah, it's funny. I grew up in the same kind of situation. I had a store attached to my house. So I grew up in a small town and I talk a lot about this. Um, I'm big on nostalgia. So the podcast talks a lot about nostalgia, but I had a general store attached to my house. So we were a bit of the gathering place. My kids, my siblings, my siblings are, you know, a fair bit older than me. So I was around teenagers all the time, even when I was little. And they'd go down in the basement and they'd put the record player on. And I'm sure my mom, I think now, you know, my poor mom, she probably just wanted a break from the constant revolving door. And I have those moments, trust me, like, you know, (laughs) the door open and close, open and close, open and close. I just love five minutes of a breather. But honestly, if I had to choose having them here versus out and, you know, doing whatever, it's so much better. And to be that house for people, it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. And it does remind me a little bit of my childhood. So I'm up for it. Hell yeah. So as a person who's thought a lot about storytelling and it's played a, a big role in your life, what's the essence of telling a good story? Oh, wow. What a question. Gosh, have I ever been asked that? I'm sure I have. Okay, well, hmm, let me think about that for a second. Nice. <laughs> you yeah. me. <laughs> well, I would tell you this in in television in in television school, I learned, <laughs> you know, obviously a story arc is very important. So you need a solid beginning, middle, and an end for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't say that exaggeration is off the table. Just slightly, you know, you want to maybe right, right. Pick your <laughs> pick your moment. Don't exaggerate your whole story, but there might be a tad bit of embellishment on certain points. I don't ever lie, but I certainly, you know, I would think about what was the great part of a story and I might spend a little more time on that, let's say. And I think for me, I'm a first person storyteller. I'm not an expert in anything. I make that very clear on many of my episodes. And I'm really speaking from a first person perspective, but I think also ending on a positive is my thing. It doesn't always have to be. And there are lots of great stories that leave you on a cliffhanger and leave you sad and leave you thinking. I tend to always go in a bit of a positive direction, I think just because of the state of the world. And I really think that anything can be a story. That's my truth. And I think lots of people, even when I approach people to be on the podcast, they're like, oh, my story is not good. Or I don't have anything to say on that. And it's like, you'd be surprised what can make a good story. I think if you are being real about it and you're really speaking from a genuine place, getting even one person to resonate with that is, I don't know. I think that's so key and it's super cool. And I think that really anyone can, can tell a story. Totally. It's very impactful. I mean, the ripples of the stone in the pond, you know, mm-hmm. and if you can, if you can impact one person, that's massive. We have a saying on my mom's side of the family, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> oh gosh. I love that. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's 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 a good one. And the other thing that jumped out to me was thinking about building that confidence and enabling people to tell a story. Because I think it is really amazing when somebody gives themselves the space and permission to dream in a way. You know, a lot of people public speaking and orating is really intimidating. But if somebody gives themselves the the right in their own mind to give give it a go, it's amazing what happens. You know what I mean? Because everybody has thoughts. We're always, not everyone, but at least for me, I'm always perceiving what's around me, right? Constantly there are all kinds of inputs coming in and I'm dealing with things like fighting for my attention. I have priorities and constant input, input, input. And whether or not I realize it, my mind is processing these things and I'm taking notes on it and it's all being absorbed and filed away. And once I actually start to talk and let it, let it rip, cool things come out, you know? And if somebody doesn't ever have uh, influence in their life, say, Hey, you know, give it, give it a go and, and try to express yourself and try to talk about it. They may never get to tap into that, you know, that, that database of information and perspectives. It's so true. And I think that that is the one thing that definitely keeps me motivated in terms of the podcast. Anyway, you know, if I'm feeling like, Oh my gosh, this week, it's so hard. Or I, you know, how can I tell one more story? If I have one person write me and say, thank you for this, or I'm so glad I got to say it, or I'm so glad I got to speak on this because some people, and I'm not trying to be, you know, naive in this because I've been talking for so long, used to Mm -hmm. get in trouble in school for talking all the time. I have to remember that that's not, you know, necessarily natural or normal for everybody. So it might take someone a lot of courage, but almost every single time someone has been nervous to share or has been hesitant to share, I would say 99% of the time they have come to me afterwards and said, oh, that was so freeing. Oh, I'm so glad I said that. Oh, it was nice. I needed to get that off my chest. So not a therapist, <laughs> not an expert, but being able to just have that medium of saying, yeah, you know what, come and tell what you want to say, say what you want to say on my podcast. Oh, that's just, it's so special for some people. And I do not take that for granted. I feel very lucky, actually. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's one of the themes of my show is just kind of presenting to men, oh, look, like, here's a man who can talk about this stuff. And like, he's not an outcast, you know, because the, the, male, the male conditioning is so restricted and kind of narrow. And I think that's a shame because whether whatever the outlet is, you know, visual art, writing, speaking and conversation, you know, just having that that conduit to get all of these thoughts and feelings and emotions out is is vital. And it is so valuable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that is important for society to have people con- creating and contributing. And one of the motivations for me to create the show was I heard this perspective about, you know, think of Thomas, think about the balance of what you take in, the content you're creating compared to what you're consuming. Mm. You know, and that balance for me was is still way off, you know what I mean? But I'm like, right. yeah, why why wouldn't I actually take an active step and do something consciously that is good for me and could be good for someone else? Right, of course. Yeah, that makes total sense to me. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So one one of the things I'm kind of hearing too is that it sounds like this, your show, This Is It, actually has worked into your self-care routine. Is that is that valid? <laughs> yeah, that's totally valid. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because it, certainly it keeps me going, doing something, even in a hard time, obviously, in this pandemic. It was something to keep, you know, striving for every week. So 
whether that means, you know, getting me up, <laughs> you know, not that mm-hmm. I wouldn't give up, get up, obviously I have children, but you know, there were hard days. This has been the darkest one of the darkest times I would say of my life and not in any, I know some people have struggled so much and I'm very lucky, you know, uh, in so many ways, but it was hard. And a lot of like question asking and what are we all doing here? And the negativity of this last year has been really hard to process worldwide. So being able to put something positive out into the world or trying to anyway, has been very beneficial to me and being able to connect with all these people has been so special. Back in the early days, I think, of Dax Shepard's podcast, one of his first Mm -hmm. episodes, I would say, he had Kristen on. And they were really funny. They were actually in an argument for the first half hour of the episode. (laughs) And he talked about in the beginning that he actually considered not putting that out there, like he was going to start where they actually were getting along. And then he thought, no, you know, I'm going to put out this part because this is real. And they sort of had this back and forth about one of their first dates And he had (laughs) punched somebody on the street before they were heading to dinner with some friends, you know, it's hilarious. (laughs) I can't remember the situation, but someone was coming down the street and was being a bit of a jerk. And I can't remember if they like nudged Kristen or I can't remember. But anyway, he'd punched them and she was mad and she thought, I can't, there's no way I can date this guy. Like, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to date someone who punches people. But they had to go to this dinner. And halfway through the dinner, they weren't speaking, but she went up and went to the kitchen and grabbed him a bag of ice and came back and slipped it to him under the table for his hand. And I remember hearing that in that moment and thinking, wow, like, how special is that? Like that, you know, she brought such a light to him, even though she was totally pissed at him. And they went on to talk about some of the things that they've gone through and, you know, how they have very different perspectives and that's okay. And so he sees a guy rushing through traffic and he wants to like, you know, get out a baseball bat. And she sees a person rushing through traffic and thinks they must be having to get somewhere as an emergency. So I think there's so many different perspectives that you can have on a story and on, you know, how you take care of yourself and, you know, being open to anybody really, truly having a story. And that has been so good for me in this last year to remember that is not just one way. There's not just one perspective. So that sort of went off topic about self-care, but it's been very good for me to remember that really, truly, we're all different, but we are all here together doing this, just trying our best. Absolutely. And I I love the positivity. I think that's something I want to incorporate as well because my show was kind of motivated by my frustrations and seeing how men treat each other and treat women. And but I think it's really good to to remind myself of like <laughs> ultimately, you know, don't get bogged down in the things that frustrate me, but rather focus on the positive and spreading voices like yours of people who have just come through one of the worst years of their lives. And you know what? You're doing something about it and taking care of yourself and other people in the process. And that's a beautiful thing. For sure. And I think that you're right that a lot of times things can be spun out of frustration or hurt or fear. I mean, a lot of my topics, you know, start there, whether it was the death of my parents or, you know, the end of my marriage. I mean, certainly you can start in a place that feels less than positive. But for me, trying to bring it back around, and that's not to say that I, Trust me, I have days. I'm frustrated. I am angry. I actually last night yelled out into my house, why is everyone crazy in this house today? Because they were all driving me crazy, (laughs) including the dog. And you know, that happens, you know, do not get me wrong. But for me, I just think that 
trying to be empathetic to somebody's story. Well, how did they get there? You know, where did they come from? I try that so hard with my girls. You know, if they're mad or somebody's been inappropriate at school or somebody has said something or done something online or in person or whatever it is, what was the root of that? You know, I try so hard. It doesn't always work. Do not get me wrong. I get frustrated, but I try. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Empathy is massive and putting, putting oneself in the other shoes. And I think that's one thing I have been, I had to do with myself last year. Yeah. Likewise, last year was one of the most difficult years of my life. And in my last episode, we talked about anxiety and I was feeling a lot of anxiety and definitely shamed myself. You know, I didn't give myself the empathy that I try to give other people. And that was such a, you know, it's a kind of a cliche, but think about relationships and, you know, you can't, you can't love someone else to love yourself. And that was the first time in my life I really had to step back and say, okay, dude, like, are you right. taking care of yourself enough? Like, are you loving yourself enough? Because you're experiencing something that is super common, but, you know, you're beating yourself up about it. And that doesn't align with my values. You know, I wouldn't put that on somebody else. So why am I doing it to myself? Right. And that kind of prompted this, this soul searching. Right. And I think that it's so true. And we do say that and we all know that, but gosh, it's really hard to give ourselves, let ourselves off the hook sometimes for things and to be, to give ourselves that kind of care. And I do think this is a very general statement, but I do think it's harder for men to do that sometimes. And I wish and hope for, you know, the revolution of that to continue in a positive direction. But I definitely know lots of men in my life that have been taught a certain way and you have to be a certain way. And I love that you're doing this and I love that you're trying to put awareness to this and giving a space for men to be able to open up about this kind of stuff. I have some really wonderful, you know, new age, it sounds like I'm so old, but, you know, men and, and their their sensibilities that are constantly evolving and changing and not afraid to cry and not afraid to show their emotions. But I have mm -hmm. a lot of men in my life that are very stuck in a way that, you know, they have felt they have to be. So I think letting ourselves off the hook and not feeling shame around those things is just so important for everybody. Mm -hmm. So you could say, you know, if you bro new bows. I definitely do. I'm so lucky. <laughs> yes, I do. In fact, you know, when Me Too first sort of started making moves and, and becoming mm -hmm. um, an important thing for people to look at, one of my really dear friends, he texted me and said, I have a question for you. I was like, okay. And he said, have I ever made you uncomfortable in conversation, you know, with you or about other people, about other women? Have I ever done or said anything that made you feel, you know, not okay? And I thought, oh my gosh, okay. It was like, I just thought I was going to get a, hey, what's going on text? And, you know, we got into it a little bit. And I thought, gosh, that's really forward thinking, you know, just to be able to say, and we should all do this, but be able to say, you know, how did, how did I make you feel or what, how can I improve? And we've all done things in our past that, you know, we're not proud of, of course, but I think really trying to like move forward and take care of ourselves and the people around us and the way that we, you know, act and behave and self-care and mm -hmm. paying it forward and love and all that stuff, I think is, is really important. So yeah, it's cool to have those kind of guides in my life. And it's cool for my daughters to be able to see all different types of men in their life. I'm so lucky. I have such great friends, all different, you know, backgrounds and, mm -hmm. and different sexual preferences. And it's so great for them to see all different types, right? Because next generation, we're, we're relying heavily on them to making the world a cool place to be. Totally. 
I love friendship. Yeah, it's the best thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a few thoughts on that. Kudos to your to your buddy for asking you. And I have definitely had those moments in thinking about things I've done and you know, having those conversations. I, I haven't actually reached out to anybody, but I should. Being a young man and dating and all of these things, one of the common pushbacks I hear from men and I'm even feeling it myself presently is like the potential for overcommunication, right? Like mm-hmm. maybe rehashing something that doesn't need to be rehashed, perhaps. Right. But I think the the point is that sitting with that discomfort is really important because unless I sit with that discomfort, I'm not going to learn the lesson and absorb it and change future behavior. And part of that is acknowledging and, and apologizing. Last night I was playing some rugby and uh, <laughs> it was like a, we were just playing. Two of the guys got in a, a little scuffle and one of them pinned the other one on the ground and was like choking him out, like literally like oh choking God. him. And, you know, completely unnecessary. Like, I don't know. It was kind of par for the course because that's the environment and that's where we all go to let our anger out. But fair play to him. This guy right after practice went up to all of us, came to me, shook my hand and said, I'm sorry for my actions at the end of, of practice. And and that wasn't cool. Wow. Well, so that, you know? see, that to me, those are, those are steps forward, you know, because I think in, yeah. in a time not that long ago, that might not have been the case that somebody would do that. Totally. And, you know, I think even though he was definitely still upset and maybe he was starting to feel embarrassed or whatever was going on and whatever had led him to that expression of the frustration in his personal life, he had enough self-awareness, enough humility to be able to say that was wrong and, and I'm sorry. And that's massive, you know? It is massive. And I, I think those kinds of things, you know, whether they come from a place, um, you know, was he really mad at that guy or was something else going on in his day or it's conditioning or it's just sort of what you know, these are all hard things to break for anybody. You know, I, I've avoided conversations in my life for sure. And I'm sure that I have lots of people that I still need to apologize for or apologize to for things. And sometimes you have to let people go and let people off the hook on your own. And that's been a really big lesson for me. You're not always going to get the apology. You're not always going to get the thing you're looking for. But if you can settle with yourself and you can be a better person because of it and walk around feeling like, yeah, I feel like a good person. I'm, I say to my girls all the time, as long as you feel good, like, do you feel good about what you did and how you acted and how you, you know, treated that person? I think that's really important. So for him to do that, it's good because he didn't, you know, hopefully didn't take that with him home, you know, take it home with him too much Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that he could have come forward and actually said that he didn't feel good about his actions that day. You know, working in TV back in the day, I honestly thought that it was just a part of being in television that people were inappropriate with each other. (laughs) So, you know, sexual harassment was at an all-time high when I worked in back in the day being on set and being in the studio. And I honestly thought, yeah, this is how this goes. This is what we do. And I would say that I actively participated in a lot of situations as well. Mm -hmm. You know, did I think that it was kind of fun to get that attention? Sure. That's just being honest. And then sometimes Mm -hmm. I didn't feel good about it. And where's the line of that? But it wasn't part of it and it shouldn't have been part of it. And, but there is a conditioning and you have to break that. And a lot of the men that I worked with, a really good friend of mine, actually, he came to me as a different person and came to me and said, yeah, that wasn't cool. How we, how we behave back then, was it? Uh, and we, again, we all sort of were part of it. And some people certainly were affected more and, and didn't 
think that it should have been part of it as it, as it wasn't, but I think it's about learning and growing and being able to say, okay, how am I going to move forward from this? Yeah. And I think for men, perhaps the resistance comes from weakness showing, you know, like any sign of weakness is a, a bad thing in the, in the traditional conditioning, right? So part of humility and part of saying, I'm sorry, or I was wrong is could be a perceived as a sign of weakness, right? So I think that's one of the key distinctions that needs to be made is that it's actually not a weakness to be able to say, I'm sorry, and I was wrong, but actually it's a sign of strength and a sign of maturity and caring enough about oneself and the other person to actually have the conversation. Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, I for years, I couldn't say that I was sorry. Mm-hmm. I come from strong stock and they were very independent people. And it's not that, you know, my mom, I'm sure she said sorry a lot. It's my dad. He was a wonderful human, but his, <laughs> he had some, you know, traits that, mm-hmm. you know, would not probably have flown very much in today's day and age. And saying sorry was not necessarily one of them because he had to be right all the time. And I took that on. And in my marriage, I remember very distinctly my ex-husband saying to me, like, will you ever say sorry? I was like, well, I'll say sorry if I feel that I'm wrong. <laughs> but I was wrong a lot. I didn't do that. <laughs> and I, I really learned after that after the marriage ended and after we sort of came around that you're exactly what you just said. It's about elevating yourself. Saying sorry is not about hiding in the shadows and making you a small person. My goodness, it's so much more about rising up. 100%. That's an interesting one for me. Yeah, you're, could you elaborate perhaps on, you know, your observations of your dad's behavior and conditioning? Because as the path I'm on trying to explore this conditioning, you know, like that's a trickle down influence, right? Like his generation influenced my parents' generation that influenced me. Um, so I think it could be interesting to kind of learn, you know, what were your observations of how he behaved and, and the kind of stuff he picked up from, from his parents? So he was one boy in a family of, so he had six sisters, so six girls and a boy. Oh my God. <laughs> and he was very babied. I would say that. I think that my mom used to tell stories about, how the sisters really coddled him and probably he could do no wrong. I'm, you know, I'm guessing because I wasn't around uh, a lot then when he was little with, or sorry, when I was little with watching that dynamic happen, but my mom was around and she saw it. And so she, I think he was pretty coddled and he was a bit of a, you know, he was the big fish. He moved to a small town and started open this general store, but he had been sort of a big guy at a big company in a city. And so he brought that mentality with him. And my oldest siblings, my two oldest brothers have a very different upbringing than I did. And they talk about that. You know, we've talked about that a lot. It looked very different. My dad was heavy handed. My dad, you know, treated them so differently. There's six, almost 16 years between me and my oldest brother. So that's a, that's a long time. Mm-hmm. And I'm the baby and I'm a girl and I don't know if that changed things, but I don't, I know he treated his daughters very differently than he treated his sons. And so sort of watching all of that and who he was and having to be this strong guy, it just seemed to me to be sort of part and parcel of that generation. And I didn't know any different. What was fascinating for me was that when I was turning 18, my dad became very sick and he had two brain tumors and he went away to um, have treatment. 
And when he came back, he was a completely different person. So very similar to somebody who might have Alzheimer's, the um, chemotherapy zapped a lot of his brain cells. And so there lots of memory stuff and lots of reverting back to um, being a little bit childlike, actually. Mm-hmm. And I stayed home with my mom to help her take care of him. And it was about two and a bit years. Wow. And what was so crazy, and now I can say special, actually, was seeing him in such a different light. But because he was sick, he was very vulnerable. He was, you know, soft. He cried. He was sweet. He was, you know, childlike. And it was very disconcerting to some people, you know, to see this guy who was this man about town, who had a business, who was on town council, who was very opinionated, who was strong in his convictions to become this quiet, sort of sweet, and, you know, gentle person. It was so fascinating. And I, I wonder to this day, had my dad seen himself in that light, you know, how would he feel about that? I don't know. I don't know how he would have felt to see himself become so different. But I do actually feel quite lucky that I got to see two very different sides of him. It was hard in the beginning, but as we got on with him, I thought, gosh, this is, I think this is going to be special. I think at the end of the day, when I look back on this, it's hard, but it will be a really special time that I got to have with him. That's beautiful. Wow. I'm pretty, I'm kind of overwhelmed by that. That, that story is amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, you know, now I'm so, I'm, I'm so far from it. And, and if I think about it, sometimes I'm like, holy shit, <laughs> two and a half years of my life. And all of my friends were leaving and going to university and college. And I stayed home with my mom. And it's not like it was some hero move by any stretch. I didn't really know what I was going to do after high school anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be able to do that, yeah, it was so crazy. When I really think about it, I'm like, oh, we saw some pretty, some pretty special moments with him that were hard and frustrating. And sometimes I wanted to just like lose it on him because where did he go? Like, who are you now? Who is this person living in our house? But, you know, we have a lot of really sort of funny moments and to see him soften like that. It's funny. I think my brothers, the ones that would tell you that dad was really hard on them. I don't know if this is true. I don't want to speak for them, but I wonder if they liked it the least, you know, in which they almost should have liked it the most because he became so different than what they remember. Mm -hmm. But I think it was so disconcerting from what they had known. Yeah, it's that, a total paradigm shift. Exactly. And I don't know that. I'm I'm really I don't I don't know, but I'm thinking of one specific instance where my brother was home and we were getting really close to my dad moving into the hospital full time and my dad just he ate terrible things at this point. Um he loved frosted flakes and he'd just pile sugar on top of the frosted flakes and my mom and I just were like, oh who cares? Like let him have his sugar. Who cares? My brother had come home and he was like, you can't have all that sugar. Why are you letting him like he didn't like seeing this new version of him. So I think that it, you know, it's what you're used to. And so they were used to him being this disciplinarian and this strong, this strong, I don't know. I guess mm-hmm. strong is a terrible word to use because strength comes from vulnerability too, but it's not how it's not how we grew up. Yeah. There's a place for both. A hundred percent. I think it is strong strength is important too. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I I'm trying to balance in my life because I definitely have that, you know, I, I don't know. I want to be reliable. I want to be sturdy and dependable and all that, but it's a balance. I mean, I think if I was in your family, perhaps I would ask, dude, where was this? 
your mm, entire life. Right. <laughs> like, I know. You know what I mean? Like, why was this hidden? Like, I know. You know I and mean, we know why, right? Because that's what society demanded, but it's... I know. And, and well, it would have been so great to be able to ask him mm-hmm. that question and, mm-hmm. and yeah, have him know, like, this is, this is what you look like now. Like, this is, you know, and that's the unfortunate part, I think, of that, certainly, was that he didn't get to know himself really in that way. But we did. So I think mm. I feel pretty lucky for that. Absolutely. Awesome, Jenny. Well, we could go on for hours, but I want to be conscientious of your time. So we'll move on to the three things game, the last segment of every show. Okay, cool. So which month is your birthday in? It's in August. Oh, okay. Me too. Oh, I'm a Leo. I'm, Are you a Leo? I'm also then? the youngest. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I love that. Well, that's why there's a connection. See, I think us there Leos, we stick together. <laughs> Leos are the the best, easily. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Okay, um, I'm the 12th, so is your birthday before or after that? I'm the 11th. Oh! That's crazy. Let's go. All right, so you're you're up. Here's your question. I'll hold it up to the screen for you. Okay. What are three things your last romantic partner taught you? Oh, gosh. Oh, boy. (laughs) So I hadn't really been in a long-term relationship since my marriage ended, uh, dated all, you know, here and there. But he, my last boyfriend, was really my first <laughs> serious boyfriend. And so introducing someone to your kids, that's a whole other situation mm-hmm. that's fun in dating. And he really, <laughs> yeah, I didn't think that. I was like, oh my God, what is this going to look like? And they're older, so it was easier than I think if they had been a little bit younger. But he really taught me and showed me what it can be like to have somebody around my girls. And I did find that very romantic because it was such a treasure to watch him exist in the same space as my children. Mm -hmm. And he really showed them, you know, a really beautiful example of what a man, uh, a good man and a nice man and a kind man and a generous man looks like. And that's, oh my gosh, what a gift that is, right? Because there's that whole thing about if they don't have the dad in their life all the time, are they missing out on something or do you not miss what you don't have? But what a special thing. So that is definitely one to he loved to send flowers. And I didn't realize how much I loved getting flowers <laughs> until I started getting them. And I thought, wow, okay, now I want flowers for the rest of my life always. And he also was a mm. really, really great listener. And maybe that doesn't fall under a romantic scale for a lot of people. But to me, that was really heart swoony and, mm-hmm. you know, heart eyed worthy that, you know, I had somebody who was a really great listener. That's beautiful, simple, but effective, you know? Yeah, I think so. And I don't think that we realize that those kinds of things are the things that make somebody maybe fall for you a little bit more when, you know, the things that you're paying attention to and, and the way that you're sort of acting within the the structure of somebody's life, like all those little things that maybe we th- we look at the bigger picture sometimes and character traits and those things, I don't know, sometimes they they make a bit more of an impact with people. Totally. And that's, that's great advice for anybody in a relationship, mm-hmm. myself included. So thank you. Of course. Okay. Here's my question. Oh, here we go. What are three lessons my father taught me? Okay. <laughs> Juicy. Yeah. Juicy one. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I love my, I love my dad. Our family's path has been, uh, sinuous. I could say, you know, it's, it's, it wasn't the fairy tale in some ways, but in other ways it has been. One thing is definitely work ethic. 
my dad works his butt off and loves it. Absolutely loves it for better, for worse. And a lot of the perspectives and privileges I've had have stemmed directly from him and his, his work ethic and his tireless pursuit of his goals. So that's one. Two would be around mindset and determination. And, and just, I don't know, I think I absorbed from him that had the power of the mind and how incredibly propelling a mindset of I can do this, you know, mm-hmm. and just saying, I'm going to fucking do it and then go do it is amazing. You know, and I think a lot of the stuff we've talked about today about, I don't know, I guess a lot of my perspectives come from that, you know, and stepping out and trying things. And it's not the direction that he probably would have guessed I would have gone in with that, that attitude, but this kind of self-exploration and and challenging the status quo and saying, why is this the way it is? You know, I think a lot of that comes from that belief of I can do anything in this world that I put my mind to. And that is such a gift, you know? Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Does he know that he has given that to you? Do you think? I don't know. I'll definitely send this one to him, but he's he's awesome. He's so supportive. And then third, third would be around the emotional development, you know, and call a spade a spade. You know, he's of a different generation and he has grown a lot in his in his adulthood. And that's amazing to me. But I think that uh, by the same token, there are there are gaps, you know, and there are things I observe from him that I take notes of about, you know, okay, that's not maybe how I want to do things. And yeah, it's kind of brutal, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I love you, Dad. <laughs> but it's gonna be <laughs> yeah, real. But sometimes you know? that's where it comes from. I think sometimes yeah, knowing yeah. what you wouldn't do, that just helps, you know, it helps yeah. you move forward. And he knows that. We have these conversations, you know, like we're we're very transparent. So yeah, I think the biggest thing, those are the three things, but the biggest thing is just like I'm so grateful to have my parents in any capacity. Uh, both of them are alive and healthy and that's that's what matters. Yeah. I love that. Well, I'm sure they're extremely proud of you and they would be thrilled to know that you feel that way about them because that's every parent's dream. <laughs> I just uh, want my yeah. kids in there saying nice things about me all the time. <laughs> totally, totally. It's a good reminder. All right, Jenny. Well, you have a mellifluous voice and an awesome perspective. So thank you so much for, for being on the, the Bro Nouveau podcast. Oh, I'm thrilled that you asked me. It was a really lovely conversation and hopefully we can connect again sometime. For sure. Let's definitely do it again. Maybe uh, down the track, we can we can circle around and it'll be interesting to see how our shows have progressed. Yeah, I would love that. Thank you so much. You too. Thanks, okay. Jenny. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. All right, folks. There you go. Give it up for Jenny, the legend. Check out her podcast. It is called This Is It Actually. I will link it in the show notes. Thank you so much to Jenny. What a kick-ass lady and a badass mom. Keep doing your thing and spreading that positivity, Jenny. It's awesome. And thank you all for listening to the Bro Nouveau podcast. We'll see you next week. Hit the subscribe button and check us out on Instagram at Bro Nouveau Pod.